0: well let's pray and we're gonna we're gonna get into the scriptures and and uh, I believe that I I believe the Lord is gonna speak to us very clearly and, and let's just prepare our hearts father God we just come before you and God we are full of thanksgiving and praise unto you but Lord we in every part of our lives we really do need your help our nation our church individuals collectively god we just come before you and we just declare god we need you and right now lord god i pray that what you've put into my spirit that you would speak through me oh lord and i pray that you would build up a faith in every person i pray for a supernatural grace to come on on your people today that they would walk away with a a, a, a new faith, a, a greater faith, and a Holy Spirit-deposited faith for what lies ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, last Sunday we were in worship, and as we were singing, <clears throat> we were singing unto the Lord, I just felt like the Lord literally just dropped a word into my spirit. And I am, but when God speaks sometimes to me, he, he he, doesn't speak like in English and in paragraph sentence form. So I, it's almost like you're trying to take what he put into your spirit and try to paint a picture of what it came across. So I'm going to try to literally deliver to you the word without me adding and mixing in my own stuff. And I have really grappled with this word um, for my own self and had to process this for myself. But I'm going to give you just at least the beginning of it And that is, as we were worshiping, the Lord spoke to me, and he said that my people think that they're in a battle, but they really need to think like they're in a war. He said, you're singing about victory, you're singing about breakthrough, but you're not thinking long term. He began to give me an impression of what the rest of the year would look like, and quite honestly, I was very sad. I was just like, no, no, we're, we're, we're praying, we're contending. And I, God told me what I didn't want to hear, and I'm going to tell you what you may not want to hear either, but I think it's what we need to hear. Amen. We think quick and easy, and, and uh, everything that I, I say today like, totally applies to me, but the Lord said, my people want to pray get an immediate breakthrough, and then move on with their lives. They want life to go back like it was. They want it to be easy, and they want it to be quick. But you cannot think that way, or you will grow very weary and discouraged in this season. This season is not an easy season. It has been so hard. And the Lord said to me, what you experienced this spring was a great test of your faith. And I'm like, collectively, for humanity, there was a great test of your faith. And that great test was scary, because it was the unknown. And there was fear. What are we dealing with? What is this going to look like? How many people are going to die? How serious is this? Things are shutting down because nobody knows. And the greatest battle in that season was fear. And we had to war against the fear in us. And now the Lord showed me that we are entering and have already entered into a time where the battle is to endure. The battle is to persevere. The battle is to not give up. Yeah, you guys don't look very happy about it either. I'm sorry. You're smiling on the inside. I got a room full of nurses and doctors and a few bank robbers. <laughs> I, was a, I was a doctor today. Next week I'm probably going to be a bank robber because I don't have to wear this ear thing. But... We have been a difficult season, and it has been very hard to watch how humanity has responded. And you watch people, and they're losing their minds. I said to my parents last week, "I feel like I'm in Batman. I feel like I'm in Batman right now." People are being let out of the jails. People are saying to ban police. People are like saying the American flag is too controversial, so ABC banned the American flag. I saw one worship leader put a post with the link a video of praise and worship, and I believe it was Instagram, banned it as dangerous and harmful. Prayer and worship is dangerous and harmful. Social media knows something the church forgets. Worship is dangerous, and it is harmful to the kingdom of darkness. We are going through a time where great anger is rising up in people. And if you don't know your God, you're going to do dumb, crazy things. We have God to hold on to in this time. And the reason you're angry is because you have been called to war. You are a warrior... You were not made to just sit around the beach. There is a time to Sabbath, and there is a time to sabbatical. There is a time for vacation. And I was so upset this week because my vacation plans are falling apart. And I'm angry. I said to the staff, we had a staff meeting, and I, you know, we're all kind of going around talking, and I'm just sitting there just seething over my life. Baseball season has been canceled How would you define 2020? Cancelled. That's how i describe it. All these people at the prophecies that it's going to be a breakthrough year. Don't you realize what that means? It means you've got to break through something. Ugh. And I said to the staff, I said, I just want to throw things and start yelling. And that was not exaggeration. I want to yell and throw things because people are lying. And at this point in time, getting away with it. Corruption is rising. And at the moment, getting away with it. I said to God, I said, God, this isn't fair. All this corruption, all these people are just rising to the surface and getting away with it. And God said, Daniel, I'm just doing everything you've been praying for. I'm just exposed. This is what I prayed. I, I, I pray God expose the darkness and remove it. And God says, I'm exposing the darkness. I'm like, well, let's get rid of it. But sometimes, this isn't even my message. I need to get back on track. Sometimes darkness needs to be revealed and not dealt with. So that where the real darkness lies will feel bolder to come out. And God is allowing darkness to prosper because He wants those who are hiding in darkness to come into the light and be exposed. Now we need to go back to my sermon. So, the Lord was revealing to me that if we approach prayer, if we approach God, and you think because you had a good prayer meeting that it's going to stop the coronavirus, we need to think again. I don't like to say that, but that's pretty much what I, the impression I got from God. The Lord revealed to me That we need to pray, we need to press in, we need to enter into a level of spiritual warfare like we have never seen in our lives. And the Lord is saying that if you think the way you have prayed is enough to get you back on vacation, spiritually speaking, you better think again. Because if you go and you pray for three weeks or two weeks or two months or three months and you think that the breakthrough is going to come in October, you're going to get weary. You're going to get discouraged. And you're going to be like, God, I pray it doesn't work. And God says, no, you don't get prayer. We don't get prayer. We do not understand it. It is something that God tries to teach to us. But we think prayer works like McDonald's, and God wants all of us to know today that your prayers matter, and it might take months, if not years. I've been looking at, in the spring season, the story in the life of King David, and I've been looking at the life of his son Solomon. And many of you have probably heard the story, but David had it in his heart to build a temple for God. God, I want to build you something. I want to build a place for you to dwell. God, I want to build a city and a community that's built around your presence. And God says, what a great idea, but you're not gonna do it. Why Why not, God? Because your son's gonna do it. Because you're a man of war and he's a man of peace. But God, I fought your battles, I fought your wars, and God says, David, your job is to war and your son's job will be to build. And I, that passage has been in my spirit for, for months now and I don't know, haven't known what it means until I, I believe, I, I think I understand. The, I believe the Lord is saying to us right now, you're in a season of war and if you try to build in a season of war, you will grow very frustrated, angry and discouraged because now is not the time for building. Now is the time for warring. I wish it wasn't. We're supposed to have a staff meeting Thursday, planning for the fall. What's the point? We plan things, that gets canceled anyways. We as the body of Christ need to enter into the season that we are in and partner with what God wants us to do. And so I want to look, start by looking in chapter 1. It's in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 1. For those of you that don't know, uh, Moses has successfully, through God's empowerment, brought the people of Israel from uh, slavery and captivity in Egypt. And he has brought them on the border of the promised land. God has taken Moses out of the picture. He's passed on. And now we have Joshua. Joshua is now taking over and assuming the leadership of the nation of Israel. And so in Joshua chapter 1, we're going to pick it up in verse 2. And uh, this is what the Lord had to say to Joshua on the brink of war. These people have been in the wilderness going in circles having a couple of wars here and there, but generally speaking, they've mostly been going and hanging out in the desert. And now to enter into where God is taking them, they're going to have to war. So in verse 2, God said to Moses, said to Joshua, "'Moses, my servant is dead. "'Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, "'you and all this people, "'to the land which I'm giving to them, "'the children of Israel.'" Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your, your territory. So from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea, all of this land is, belongs to you. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. So looking at this passage of Scripture if you had, didn't know the rest of the story and you just looked at this passage of Scripture, you would be greatly encouraged. God is telling Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. God is saying, everywhere you walk is your inheritance, and I'm giving it to you. You have from here See here, I have promises, I have an inheritance, I have a destiny for you, and it all is being given to you. And nobody is going to be able to stand against you. I'm going to be with you, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. So be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance. If you didn't know the rest of the story, you would think this was going to be easy. You would think this would happen quickly. Because if God is with you, and God is giving you the land, why is it that there's nothing in the prophetic word about fighting 31 kings? They had to fight 30 one kings. I was half tempted to read it, read the names of each of these kings. Because it would be exhausting and you would start blanking out because it would take so long to say 31 obscure names. And the reason is, is every place where your feet go is yours. But I didn't tell you, Joshua... You're going to have to fight for every yard you step. You're going to have to win battle after battle after battle. You need to be strong and courageous for a reason. Why would God say to us, be strong and courageous, if it was easy? If it was quick? If if we're going to be strong and very courageous because God's with you, it means you're going to need God. This is going to be hard. And so they go and they, as a nation, wipe out 31 kings. They take a very good stronghold on the land. And then they begin to, by tribe, each tribe is is given. You get this land and you get this land and you guys get this land. And now it's your responsibility to drive out these smaller tribes. There's a city here, and there's a city there, and there's a little village there. And if you, you, we kind of took out the big guns. Now, individually, it's your responsibility as a tribe. This tribe is, this is your land. So now you have to go and fight. This is taking years of warfare, years of battle. And now Joshua passes on, and we see the tribes warring and warring, and warring to enter into all that God has for them. Now, I want to turn now to Judges chapter 1, and I want to cherry-pick a little bit some of the passages out of Judges chapter 1 to give you an idea of what some of this warfare was like. So Judges chapter 1. I'll uh, read a couple of verses starting in verse 17. And Judah went, as the tribe of Judah, went with his brother Simeon, and they attacked the Canaanites who inhabited Zephath. But a little disclaimer, I don't even pretend that I know how to pronounce these words. I'm not even try. And utterly destroyed it. So the name of the city was called Horma. Also Judah took Gaza with its territory, Ashkelon with its territory, and Ekron with its territory. So the Lord was with Judah. And they drove out the mountaineers, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. So we see here Judah and Simeon worked together to inherit, to take land, and they actually cover and gain a lot of land in this story. But they were unable to drive out the people that were the mountaineers because they had iron chariots. Isn't that a weird thought that they won some and they lost some. Let's, let's read some more. Verse 23, it talks about the, the house of Joseph, or the tribe of Joseph. Joseph. So, the house of Joseph sent men to spy out Bethel. The name of the city was formerly Luz. And when the spies saw a man coming out of the city, they said to him, Please show us the entrance to the city, and we will show you mercy. So he showed them the entrance to the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and all his family go. So we see once again the tribe of Joseph conquers uh, the city or the region of Bethel. In verse twenty-seven, we see a little bit of a different story here. It says, However, Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethsheen and its villages, or Tannic, or however you say it, and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages or the inhabitants, of believe, in its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo in its villages, where the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. Wait a minute. Everywhere you set your feet will be yours. But it says right here that they were determined to not give up their land to the people of Israel. The devil is determined to not give up his inheritance, or not, not his inheritance, really what he's stolen. Your inheritance the, what is what the devil has stolen from you. And we see here that the people of God were unable to drive them out. Verse 29, nor did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who dwell in Gezer, so the Canaanites dwell in Gezer among them. Now, there's more to this story, but I, I just wanted to read a few passages to give you this idea, this picture. They won some, they lost some. They won some, they lost some. It's a war. It's not a battle. In the kingdom of God, God wins the war, but we don't always win every battle. You need to understand this. God's will does not always happen on the earth. Jesus said to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see from that scripture all by itself, and there are other ones, that what God wills does not always happen, but we are to pray that it does. And it, it's really hard to say this, because we don't understand, and I don't have time to go into some of the obscure scriptures that will give us a picture, but just because you pray and pray and pray, and it doesn't happen, that doesn't mean that God got His way. There is a, there, you know, there is a natural world There's the third heaven where God is, and then there is a second heaven, which is where angels and demons war. There's principalities, there's powers. We do not wrestle on Facebook. We do not wrestle by protesting. Our battle is not against politicians, it's against principalities. We do not wage war. That's the problem. We get angry, and we want to throw things at our TV as we watch the news, but that is not how we war. We war in the Spirit. We war in obedience. We war in the place of prayer. Last Sunday, Pastor Tim preached a message, and, and it, was, it was really good about us being world shakers. And it, He talked about how we needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We needed to be a people of prayer and we need to praise no matter what. And we listen like, oh, that's a good sermon, Pastor. Listen, God is giving you that word for a reason. If God says you need to worship no matter what, it's because it's not going to be easy to worship this week. If God says, you need to pray, it's not because, okay, I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. No, it's because you're being called to something greater and to something higher. Because something is, is happening in this spirit realm that has been hiding for very long and slowly moving on the earth. And human beings who do not know Jesus are being influenced by this spirit. This, the spirit. The governor of California says, no singing in churches. Do you think, do you think that that came out of his own head? We can't hate the governor of California but he, But we have to understand we are warring and people are being influenced. So where will we wage our war? Because if we wage it in the wrong place, we're going to start taking out people. We are here to wage a war and the way we worship and the way we pray needs to get better. We are being called to the next level to a higher standard, and I'm getting ahead of my, myself in my notes. I want to I want to look at uh, Judges chapter 3, I'm getting preaching before I do my teaching. So here we go, Judges chapter 3. So we see here that God's people have gained ground and lost ground and gained ground and lost ground. Does it sound like your life? God comes through, you pray for this thing, it doesn't happen. God comes through, you pray for this thing, it doesn't happen, year after year after year. God, it's been 10 years. And God says, yeah, you need to understand prayer. Prayer is long-term. Prayer is is often not immediate. God answers immediate prayer most of the time to encourage us. This last Wednesday night, the kids at youth group, my boys were telling me that one of the kids had back problems. And uh, they said, hey... Let's look at your your, your feet, and they look and they your legs. should They say, and they discover that one of the kids' legs was longer than the other. And so they prayed that the leg would grow. And my kids watched that leg move, and the both feet went to the same length. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. And the and the, and the kid who got healed was like, oh, "This is awesome." That is breakthrough, immediate faith. But what I'm talking to you today, I'm all for that. Let's keep, let's, keep, let's keep going for that. But I'm talking to you about the kind of faith that stands when all hell is coming at you. I had a dream months ago, many months ago now, more earlier in the year. And in this dream, I remember, I don't want to go into all the detail, but it was, let's just say it, God showed that it, the dream was for the future, and it was really good, like a movement of God. But in one part of the dream, there was this brutal dust storm, and I just had to stick my head down as the dust was just flying, and it was just swirling. And, and, that, and that's how it can feel, like the dust is just flying in our faces. And you, sometimes you just got to stick your head down. <laughs> And just put your trust and your hope in God and have that kind of faith. God, I'm weary. God, I'm tired. God, I'm so sick of this. I want to run away. I'm angry. I want to run away. But where do you run when you live in Montana? Most people are running here to get away from COVID. They brought it to us. No, you're all welcome if you're from out of state. You're all welcome. We love you. But, but here we are in Judges chapter 3, verse 1. It says... Now, these are the nations which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught how to war, sorry, taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. And then in verse four it says. And they were left, that's the other nations, that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So we see here in this passage of Scripture that God purposefully left nations in the land of Israel... To test them and to teach them warfare, I want to read in uh, the NLT translation. It should pop up here in judges chapter three, verse one, NLT. it says, "These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan, and I like how verse two words it. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. Verse 4 says, these people were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the commands the Lord had given to their ancestors through Moses. So, so we see here when we look at this little this little portion of scripture that God left your enemy, your war in your life to teach you how to do spiritual warfare. God does not want a weak sauce church. See the way that I think is God, let's uh let's lower the bar. Let's get people saved. Let's get people into the kingdom. And if we can just kind of, you know, win them by making things a little bit easier, I don't like to see Christians fall away because things got too hard. But apparently, I'm not going to say God's good with it, but God will allow the storms, the trials, the wars to come to test what is in you. And many have fallen away, and many will fall away. And I think the Lord is determined to keep deception from our lives. Because in this time, one-third of the church is not going to church. One-third of the church is not watching online. And so the question, I'm not condemning or judging people. I'm just saying, where is their relationship with God really at? There are people before this pandemic who were in worse shape spiritually than they thought they were. And the pandemic... God, I believe God is using the pandemic to expose you're not where you thought you were, you're in way worse shape, and I'm letting the circumstances reveal that so your eyes will be opened and you will come back to me and have a real relationship with me and not count on the faith of your relative, not count on the faith of 10 years ago, not count on your you know your, 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 your little Christianese and your little religious duty. I am saying to you, I am purposely making it hard because I want to make you tough. I want to make you radical because you were built for war. You were built for this. This is not too hard for you and God's grace is there to empower you. I want to, hopefully this is a good idea, but I, I want to share a little, little uh, nugget I found online about Rachel, my wife, she shared about Reese Howells, I think like a, last Sunday actually. Reese Hells was it. He, he, I think the book is, one of the books is called Divine Interest. So he was a man of prayer who led nations and people groups in the place of prayer, both before but especially during World War II. Now, you got to remember, they didn't, have, they didn't have social media or the Internet. They had slow you know, newspapers and that kind of thing, getting their news from what was happening in the war. And so these people would pray and pray and pray and persevere and war... And God would tell them things. They knew Hitler was going to invade Russia several, at least like several weeks before he, he ever invaded. Why? Because God told them. And they began to pray, and they began to pray. And history tells us that the, the, the that brutal winter storm hit Russia right as Hitler was in, you know, about to invade. Was it Moscow? I know I need to re- recap on my history. But, but we see that there was a, a famous uh, battle where there were only a handful of British planes duking it out with all these Nazi airplanes in the air. And these people already knew about it. And these people were already praying about it. And I believe Winston... I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm fumbling over this, but Winston Churchill made the statement, something to the effect of, never has so much been to so few... I can't remember how he said it, but it's like, ah, I guess I should have. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm trying to, I I didn't know what I was going to preach on. Like, I didn't know what all was going to come out of my mouth today, so I'm just kind of stumbling. But I want you to hear this. This is not, this is about him from one of his students in his school. He had a school of ministry. In March 1936, Hitler sent his troops into the Rhineland, an aggressive act which met with no resistance from any European power nor from the League of Nations. But Reese Howells was profoundly disturbed in the spirit, and a crisis came in the college on Sunday, March 29th, a day never to be forgotten. Reese Howells came into the midday meeting not looking his usual self. Always immaculate, his hair was ruffled, and on his face was a look of intense strain. He simply said, the Lord has told me that prayer has failed, and only intercession will take us through. We gazed at him, stunned and silent. Was it then really possible for prayer, prayer to fail, the intensive prayer of the recent weeks? What was the Lord asking of us? It was a new realm into which he was leading us in. In the late meeting that night, we began to get light on the situation. The battle in the heavenlies was raging. The forces of darkness were gathering strength. The world was on the brink of disaster. What then of the gospel to every creature? God had said through Isaiah that he wondered that there was no intercessor. And in Ezekiel, he had called for someone to stand in the gap. We began to see that the Holy Spirit was calling us to a total commitment to the heavenly warfare. To throw everything of ourselves into it. That was 1936. We know it was many years later that the war was won. And if you they documented... Their prayer, what they got in prayer, and what they prayed in prayer, and it lines up with world history. Because God was leading them and guiding them. They had five prayer meetings a day. They shut down the school and said, we need to get into a deeper place of prayer. The prayers that we have prayed have failed. Now, full-on intercession, pressing in. We can't Intercession is, is when you have the mentality that's hell or high water. I am not letting go of this. I am going after this with everything that I am and I will not be denied because God is calling me to a greater level of spiritual warfare. And so we see here that God is not taking our problems from us. God is, going to, is teaching and is going to be teaching us how to war. War. And you can, and I, and I wanted to give you like three steps for how to war, but the truth is, I feel like the Lord said, they, I will teach them in the season. It's not going to be one sermon or one Sunday or one month. You are going to keep pressing in, and you're going to keep pressing in, and you're going to keep pressing in. And as you pray, the Holy Spirit in the secret place is going to reveal things to you, and you're going to find yourself being directed and led in the place of prayer. But also, so the first thing, that God wanted was to teach us how to war. But the second thing, it says in verse 4, these people were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the commands the Lord had given to their ancestors through Moses. And so what we see here is that it's not just to learn how to war, it's to learn how to obey God when you don't feel like it. I want you to think through, let's, let's walk through what it was like. The people of Israel were coming into their inheritance, and God said, I want you to completely wipe out this, these people. And the question as modern day Americans, why would a loving God want to wipe out an entire people group? Why would he do like a genocide? And the answer is, is because of the corruption that was in their land. These people would, would worship multiple gods, and these gods gave them what they wanted. They worshipped Baal, which is the god of pretty much money, prosperity, wealth. And they worshipped Aphrodite, well, uh, uh, it later became known as Aphrodite, which is the god of sex. You see, people will worship what they, what they want. And they'll give them what they want. And so they worship the gods of sex and money, but they also worship Moloch, who is a god that wanted them and demanded that they burn their children as a sacrifice. And so when they came into this land, these people were worshiping gods, they were morally corrupt, and they were murdering and sacrificing their own children. And God knows people. And He knows what's best for us. And God knew the most loving thing he could do for that generation and for the rest of humanity was to destroy the roots of that sin. Because sin is like cancer. It spreads and produces death. And you got to cut it off. And so God comes in and says, I know my people. If they do not drive out and kill and destroy these wicked people, they will marry them. They will become buddies with them. They're going to go to the hardware store together with them. And before you know it, they're going to look like them. They're going to talk like them. Their kids are going to be intermarried. And they are going to be corrupt and wicked just like them. And so God says, you have a culture that wars against the kingdom of God. Now obviously, like I said, we don't war by killing people. Just stay in the obvious, just in case. We war in the spirit. But how many of us have compromised? I'm not saying you can't be buddies with someone who's not a Christian. But how many of us can honestly say that we look like them, and we talk like them. And we live like them. We watch the same shows. We use the same profanity. We tell the same sexual jokes. We watch perverted TV shows. We are living in sin. With pe- sleeping with people we're not married to. We, in the United States of America, the church is being tested. The test lawlessness the scriptures say because of lawlessness the love of many will grow cold. The church in many places in the United States has grown cold because of lawlessness. Because we have compromised with the world. And we have used legalism to justify ignoring the Holy Spirit. I want to look at Judges chapter 1. I just want to read one verse to you in verse 28. And it came to pass... When Israel was strong, that they put the Canaanites under tribute, which means you pay them or give them gifts or money, but did not completely drive them out. It came to pass, when the people of God were strong, that they compromised. And instead of driving out what they were supposed to be driving out, they compromised. Why? I just thought that was so weird. You're, these people are squatting in your land. The devil is flaunting in your inheritance. And God has made you stronger. And day by day, you're getting stronger. You're getting better. And in that place, and you finally got the upper hand, you said, forget it. Let's just sign a treaty. Let's just, let's just, let's just agree to disagree you live there we live here we're we're not going to fight anymore because we have the up, we have the upper hand let's just settle for tribute and how many of us could say that that's the way it's been for us in our lives with sin god did not take the opportunity to sin from your life we say god take it away god take away the opportunity god take away the desire and god says you have to learn to war You have to learn to tell yourself no. Just because you desire it doesn't mean you should have it. You know, I look at Joseph, who was a a man of God, a man of integrity, and how he was sold into slavery, and he was in Egypt in Potiphar's house. And here he is, he's a a man of excellence, a man of quality, in his 20s, probably ripped from physical labor. And uh, he goes and, works for this rich dude named Potiphar. Potiphar, I don't know, I'm, I'm making this up, but Potiphar's on vacation. He's out doing a business deal with some guys on the Nile. And while Potiphar's away, Joseph's in the, in the kitchen. He's working on the sink. I'm making this up. And uh, his boss's wife shows up, you know, and I always pictured her being this old lady. I don't know why, but I read it recently. I'm like, dude, I, I'm pretty sure Potiphar, do you got, in that culture... If you were in the money, and you were in the place of power, then you probably had a young, good-looking wife. It makes sense when you consider the culture. So he is a young man, and a young woman approaches him and says, I want you to sleep with me. Awkward moment. And Joseph is like, your husband has given me everything in this house but you. Kind of reminds you of the Garden of Eden, you know what I mean? God's like, you can eat everything you want but this one tree. So Joseph's there and I realized she was a temptation. Like, it wasn't just that she wanted him, it's that he wanted her. There was desire inside of Joseph for his master's wife. And I can guarantee you that in that moment of temptation, an angel of light did not appear. The presence of God did not manifest. At least not in a way that Joseph would recognize. But in that moment of warfare, God wasn't making it easy. He had to deny his flesh. He had to say no to himself and not compromise. And he did it day after day after day. I imagine he would wake up in the morning and think to himself, today I have to work in the house. She's going to be there. Hey, George, I need you to come and help me out. I'm sure that he had to like figure out how not to be alone with her. I'm sure that he knew the quickest way was to go through that direction, but he knew she was in that direction, and so he would find excuses to walk the long way, to be inconvenienced, to do what nobody else was doing, and he would try to find ways, and it, it war, a, I want you to see, it can get weary. This was not a one-time temptation. It was day after day of weariness, but he will not sin before his God. He fears his God. He is being tested, and he will eventually be promoted as a man of integrity. Until, of course, the day where she grabs him. He's alone, she's alone, she grabs him. And that's that ought to be the, you know, that's like, ah! And she just, Whoosh! he takes off, and who knows how awkward that whole experience was. And we got a naked man running out of the house. Running for the bushes. And then she lies about him, out of the place of his integrity. We can go and say things like, I've been warring with porn for years. I've been warring with alcohol for years. I've been warring with anger for years. I've been warring with unforgiveness for years. And you know what? It's just too hard. It's just too hard, God. Why haven't you made this easier? I ask for help and you don't help me. And God's saying, I want you to learn how to overcome. I want you to learn how to war because I'm building you. And I'm building an army that knows how to fight. You guys should stand up so I should be done. I just realized I got to put a mask on again in a minute. Oh no. (laughs) Katie, you want to go up here? I, uh, I didn't want to give you this word. I didn't even like this word. Because I was really hoping that God would be like, you're on the, you're on the verge of the breakthrough. You're on the verge of the breakthrough. It's like, no, you're not. You've got a ways to go. But you're going to see a victory. But we can't look like the world. We can't just give up the fight and we can't allow where we've been to be our ceiling your future is great but our mentality needs to change there needs to be a shift in the people of God and we will go from strength to strength and we will see the victory we will where we set our feet where we set our feet we will gain ground but I'm we will not win every war or every battle but we will win the war let's pray Father God we come before you God not having a clue what the future really holds but God we put all of our trust in you we put all of our hope in you And God, we ask for grace, we ask for strength, we ask for help, Lord. Holy Spirit, right now, for everyone that's listening, God, I pray that right now you would reveal the area or the areas where your people have settled and compromised. Reveal that to them right now, I pray in Jesus' name. You may not feel God's grace, but you have it. In fact, I believe the Lord is wanting to say, you will not feel my grace in times, but you will still have it. Do not confuse your feelings or your desires with the empowerment of God. God, I pray that you would teach us how to war. And I pray, Father, for those that are just weary that you would send a fresh courage, a fresh grace, just like you came on Joshua, who was already an old man. God, I pray that that Joshua type of grace would come upon each and every one of us. God, I pray you'd help every one of us to be strong and very courageous. I declare that grace was in the word and that because the Lord spoke it, now that you've heard the message, you will be empowered to operate in it. And we thank you for that empowerment in Jesus' name. Amen.